Welcome to another episode of En Yaakov Beyond the Story. Today, as we get close to Tisha B'Av, I'd like to share with you a short story from Maseches Yoma, Dafnun Dalet, top of Amud base, describing some of the events that took place at the moment of the Choban. And it begins by telling us, Rish Lakish says, when the Goim came into the Hechol, and we're talking about the second Besamikdosh, according to the Mephoshim, they saw that the Kruvim were actually embracing one another. They took out the Kruvim in the street and they said, Yisrael halalu shebichasam brocha those Yidin who have such a power that when they bench people it is a blessing, when they curse it is a curse that gets carried out. They should be busy with uh, such matters. I will explain in a minute. Immediately the Goim debased, destroyed the Keruvim. Like it says in Echa, all who honored her debased her because they have seen her nakedness. So to understand just uh, the story, we first actually we need to put a little bit of a, a little bit of a context. Um, I'm going to start with the fact that the Keruvim, um, it's written in the Chumash, uh, the Keruvim were facing each other. And uh, the Gemara discussed it, the Midrash is more uh, detailed about it, saying that when the Yidna are actually doing Hashem's will, the Keruvim would be facing each other, and when they would not be doing Hashem's will, the Kruvim will be um, looking in opposite directions. And the reason for this is that the Kruvim represents, symbolize Bnei Yisrael on one side and Hashem on the other side. And as long as the relationship is good and uh, Bnei Yisrael are doing Hashem's will, so then they're looking at each other. But when they are, when Bnei Yisrael are not doing Hashem's will, so that relationship is kind of severed, so symbolized by the fact that it's the Keruvim would just looking at the opposite direction. Over here at the moment of the Churban, the Keruvim were not only looking at each other, which seems to be uh, an indication of but even more than that, they were actually hugging, embracing one another. And the Gemara earlier says that they were embracing one another the way man embraces his wife. Which explains why the Goyim who saw that, um, they were shocked and they were saying, Yidin are known to be so uh, modest. And here, this is what they put in the holiest spot. Um, that's the image that they have. They were very surprised, and therefore they have debased it. Uh, however, we need to explain a little bit what Kruvim are we talking about. 
Uh, we cannot be talking about the Kruvim that were on top of the Oren that Moshe Rabbeinu made, because in the Ba'is Sheni, the Kruvim were no longer there, um, because the Oren was no longer there. Uh, towards the end of Ba'is Rishen, the Oren has been hidden somewhere beneath the Besamikdash. So like this, when the second Besamikdash came about and the Oren wasn't there, nonetheless, it was there someplace in the vicinity of Besamikdash. So then, which Kruvim were there? Rashi explains that there were Kruvim that were designed or engraved on wooden boards that were inside of the Hechal. And being that there was no Kruvim, there was the image of the Kruvim that were engraved in the, uh, on wood panels in the Hechon. Um, so Rashi says that when the Goim came in, what they do is that they peeled off these wood panels out of the Hechon and they brought him, Lashuk, they brought it to the street. Um, Many Mephoshim are asking, really, what is behind this uh, Kruvim hugging one another? And obviously, the Ritva is asking an obvious question that I'm sure you were thinking about yourself. We have established before that when the Kruvim are facing each other, it's a sign that Hashem is happy. It says Rotzen, because Oisim Ritzen Hashem Mokim. Relationship is good. So you could only imagine that if they are hugging each other, um, then for sure that uh, Hashem is very happy. So how come at the time of the Chulben, which is really pointing out to the lowest point, so to speak, in our relationship with Hashem, What's being expressed over here is the Kruvim hugging each other. So the Ritvo says that some people, some Mefarshim explain that we are not talking about um, we're, we're not talking about the Kruvim as we established that we're not talking about the actual Kruvim Torah on the Orin. We're talking about some engraver and maybe these engravings were always like that. And uh, being that there was there were not the original Kruvim, so maybe they were always like that. The Ritva says no. It's difficult to say that. It's difficult to say that because why would they make Kruvim in such a, in, in, in such a position when this is not the way it was originally there? He actually says that even, the Ritva actually establishes that even those engraved Kruvim had the same um, power or the same effect was happening on them. That when the Bnei Yisrael were doing Hashem's Ratzin, they would be facing each other. And when they were not, so by ness, by miracle, they will be looking in opposite direction. And for sure that there was over here a ness as well. That even though those were Kruvim that were not actual sculptures, but they were engraving on wooden panels, and this happened, and they actually hugged each other.
Um, the only thing is that he ends up by saying that, well, what was the point of the nest in that case? If this was the worst time, uh, they is so upset with the Yidin that he's destroying the Samikdash, why would he be hugging Knesset Yisrael? So he says that the nest was actually to bring about more humiliation as part of the punishment. Is that, that's exactly what Hashem had in mind. That the game will come in and they will see some kind of sculpture, some kind of engraving that doesn't make any sense with the worship of Bnei Israel, And with that, they would humiliate the Bnei Israel, And that was part of the punishment of the Churban. This is um, the explanation that the Ritva brings. Very much sticking to some kind of chat, even though he's talking about miracles. There was a Sefer by the name of uh, Pri Tzadik, written by, by uh, Tzadok Akoyim in Lublin. He actually brings up the Ritva's question, but he says he has a, another answer. The answer is that at that moment when the Eden was seeing that everybody was being killed and Besamekdash was, was being destroyed, the Eden decided to do tshuva. And since they did tshuva, so then they are in the Matzev of Oisin Ritzoin Oishel Mokoim, and therefore they were actually hugging. But it was kind of too late, so Besamekdash was destroyed and burnt anyways. The only difficulties there is with this answer, it's of course my own uh, perspective here, is that, well, the Rambam Paskin Aloche, that the city Misrol has tshuva miyadam nigalim. The moment Yidin do tshuva, they'll have the geula immediately. So therefore, if we say that the tshuva of Israel is what has caused the Kruvim to hug each other, it means that the tshuva was really good, that they've been accepted by Hashem. In, the, in that case, it should have been miyadam nigalim. There should have been a geula immediately. The fire in the Besamikdash should have been extinguished, and that should have been the end. So there must be, there must be a, a, an explanation that is deeper than that. In other words, the Kruvim were there um, hugging each other. It was a sign of Hashem's pleasure. It was a sign of Hashem showing actually his love that he has of Bnei Israel exactly at the same time in which he is sending us out in Golos. Hiding himself. Um, really generating a matzav of Elam Vester. How do those two come together? Chesidus explains by bringing a marshal. A marshal between a Rav and Talmud. Master and student. When the, the master, when the Rav, the teacher, really loves the student and he absolutely wants to share with him his wisdom and he's in the middle of explaining to him something that is very intricate and he really puts himself into it just so the Talmud will understand. But at that moment, he gets a kind of a light an idea that comes into his mind. Some kind of very subtle intellectual thought that comes up. Now he has two options. 
He cannot have both. Continue to talk to his student about what he's talking about and then elaborate on that thought. That thought is called a barak, a mavrik, an avroka, which is like a, a lightning strike. And you know, sometimes you get an idea that you need to stop everything and really elaborate and concentrate on this idea. Because if you don't, it, th- that lightning is going to go. And that's why we call it a lightning strike is because it's just an idea that comes right there. And you need to really think deep into it in order to formulate it in your mind to make sure you really understand and, and elaborate on this idea. If you don't do this now, and if the Rav will say to his, will continue teaching his Talmud and say to himself, I'll get back to that thought a bit later, that thought is going to be gone. And you're never going to be able to, to go back to it. So really, at that moment, what the teacher does is that he removes himself from the Talmud. He stops teaching him. And he goes into himself thinking deeply about this new idea that just came up into his mind. He develops it in his mind. And the purpose for it is for the benefit of this Talmud. That as soon as he's finishing elaborating on the thought in his mind, he is going to reveal it to his Talmud. And if he doesn't do that, and he just continues teaching these elementary thoughts that he had with his Talmud, that's all he's going to get. But he wants his Talmud to get the ultimate wisdom that he may reach. And in order to do this, to do this, he must remove himself and kind of put the brakes on the revelation and the devotion he has to the Talmud in order to devote himself to that thought just so he could then share it with the Talmud. The Ebbe explains that this is exactly what the Choban was about. The Choban was not only a punishment. The Choban was about bringing to us a greater opportunity and a greater Gilui. Such a Gilui that could only come if there is first that concealment. Exactly in the same way that what the teacher wants to give to his student is something that is only able to give after he detaches from the students. Now, why can't we just say that the Galus and the Choban was a punishment? And that really is the Pshat, the way we read it. B'nai Israel messed up and they just needed to, uh, to be punished and sent out in Galus. Well, the Ebi says that we cannot just say that the Galus is only a punishment and the Kapore for, for our sins. Because if that was the case, Galus will diminish as the years go by. The more we have been punished, the less we deserve to be punished. In other words, the less there is left of the punishment to be carried out. So therefore, ever since the Galus started very harshly, I mean, Choban was one of the most uh, greatest disasters to Klal Yisrael, besides just for the 
Besamigdosh itself and the Golos, but, but the amount of destruction and killing that went through. So then, okay, it went very bad. And then it should have been um, worse. I mean, it should have gotten, gotten better and better and better. Because just like a kapara, let's say it's about the cleansing. So once there is this cleansing takes place, so at the beginning there is more to clean, and after that there is less left to clean. So the same, if we say that the, that the, the Golos and the Churban was only a kapara for avoidance, a punishment that leads to the atonement, so gradually the Golos should have been less harsh as the years go by. And instead, what do we see? That the Golos is actually becoming more and uh, not just harsher, but uh, the Elm Vester is even greater. And we could see that right after the Churban, there were the Tanoim, people who were great Sadikim, some of them who have seen the Besamikdash and been in Besamikdash generation, and some who were later on. But they were godly uh, people. After that, there were the Amoraim, which is not, they were not at the same greatness as the Tanoim. And after that came generations after generation. We have this such an Yerida Sadoires after the other until we reach a point in which we almost have no Gilui at all. So great Giluim, we are at Besamikdash. And after the Besamikdash was destroyed, we still had some and then less and then less and then less. Therefore, meaning that the Choyshech of a Galus is becoming stronger and stronger and stronger. So then, we cannot say it's a punishment only. We cannot say it's only a Kapara. There has to be that there is a Kavana to it. There is a reason for it. And the reason is, there is an inner reason for the Galus. And as mentioned before, there is a new oil that's supposed to come to this world. A new oil that will bring to Besamikdash Hashlishi, which will be a Baisnitzchi that will never be destroyed. A oil that will be in the world, the kind of Gilo Elokus that was never there. And such a great Gilui could only come after a certain type of Elem Vester. Now we could understand why Dafke at the moment of the Churban, the Kruvim were hugging each other. In the same way that the Rav is revealing his love to the Talmud by stopping for a moment to teach him in order to go and fetch something much deeper to share with him. The Eishter was actually showing us his Ava Atzmis, his inherent love that he has for Klal soil, at the moment of the Churban, as we will show in a few minutes. As a matter of fact, where were the Kruvim embracing they were in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. In a place in which we see only the Pnimius and other Chitzenius of things. Of course, we saw the Chitzenius of things where we see the Chubin. But in, in a place in which all we see is the way things are for real at a spiritual level, with, where we see the Pnimius of everything, which is Kodesh HaKadoshim, what we saw was Kruvim embracing. 
Dafke in this matzav, the Eibishter expressed itself, his inherent love he has to us. That to show us that even when we are in a matzav, the Tachlis Ayerida, the lowest possible level, a level that actually warranted the Chulben and Golus, even when we are so low, Hashem reveals the Indian of Ben Kach, who Ben Kach, Atem Kruim Banim. You are my children no matter what, and I love you with this inherent love that is unconditional, the way a father loves his son, no matter what. The Pnimius of the Yerida is, as we mentioned, the Aliyah itself. In other words, when the Ebishter wants to bring a Gilui that is higher than Sederish Talshelos, so such a Gilui, when the Ebishter reveals himself in a way that is higher than Sederish Talshelos, such a revelation actually cannot take hold in Alamaze. We cannot recognize it as such. Only in the Heichal it was recognized. But in the rest of the world, it was seen as something very, very negative. So when you want to know the true nature of things, you have to look, look at it from the true perspective. We're going to find it in the Echo. And over there, Hayumurim Zebezeh. Or in a different direction, there is a mimer in which the Rebbe brings an alternative explanation to this phenomenon of the Kruvim, Embracing at the moment of the Choban. This is really based on uh, on the halacha that is brought in Masechus Yibamis. As I mentioned before, when the Gemara in Yuma describes the way the Kruvim were, which was shocking to the Gaim, in terms of, is that what they're worshipping? Um, the description is of the two Kruvim embracing the way man and wife embrace. In the time of Golus, we are compared to a wife whose husband has left town and gone far away. Our husband is the Ebishter. The Gilu Yelokus has been taken away. And we are on our own in Golus. Well, there is such a din that when a man needs to leave his wife to go out of town, he must be with her before leaving. The Rebbe says that this is exactly what happened. Right before sending us out in Golos. Right before the situation of having a wife whose husband is far away. The Eibishter embraces us. He puts the two Kruvim together. And that is actually to tell us that before letting us go in Golus, the Eibishter brings a certain Namshachas Oir to this world, into the Elem, into Golus. 
Exactly in the same way that you see that when a child is in his mother's womb, and I'm making reference to the last uh, episode in our podcast, uh, A Candle Upon His Head. When the child is in his mother's womb, um, he is actually growing and growing, but we don't really see. We don't see at all the uh, effect of the growth. I mean, of course, we could see from the outside, but uh, we don't really see the varim that are growing. And then comes the birth in which we see the gilui. That all of this time in which it was hidden, there was a beneficial growth that was going on. That only because of this growth that took place, this child is able to survive this avirailam. Uh, so they'll be saying that this is exactly what happened. The koyach that we have, the ability for us to be able to experience this birth, which is the geula, all comes from the koyach that we have received at the moment of pregnancy, even more before that. At the moment of Kruvi Meurim Zebeze, that was when the potential of the Koyach of this birth was carried out. And it is only because of that Chibuk, because of that embrace, at the moment of the Choban, that we have what it takes to grow throughout the Golubs and be able to accomplish what it is that we need to accomplish in order to bring about this birth and this gilui that will take place Bekarev Mamish. With this we could understand something else that is a little strange. Chronologically, when you're looking at the Chuben, we are told in the Gemara that on the 7th of Av, which is today, the Goyim came into the, into the Beis Amikdosh. And it could be that this is the day in which they saw the Kruvim, Meurim Zebezeh. They didn't destroy it yet. They just went in and made a mess for two days. They were messing up the Beis Amikdosh. There were some killings going on around in Yerushalayim. And then on Tisha B'Av, in the afternoon, towards the end of the day, they burnt the Besamikdash. And then it continued burning till the next day. What is strange though is this is exactly the moment we start being more lenient on all the restrictions uh, of, of Tishabov. Tishabov, we sit on the ground and all kind of things like that. And yet when it comes to after Chatzois, we are already allowed to sit down on a chair. And not only that, when it comes to Mincha, this is the very, very moment in which we say Nachem, in which we are not only asking Hashem, but acknowledging that there will be a comfort. Really, it should have been the other way around. That is the moment in which, like it's called, Sreifas Beselokeinu. Sometimes the Chuban Besamikdash is referred to as Chuban Beselokenu, sometimes as Sreifas Beselokenu. 
the burning of the Besamikdash, which is something that took place actually in Tisha B'Av in the afternoon. So in that case, why is it that this is the time in which we say Nachim? Now is not the time to start talking about the Geula. Now is the time in which we have to lament even more about the Chub and But no, we go the other way around. In Shara Kavones, the Arizal asks this question. And he answers it by bringing an Echo Rabbo, a Midrash from Echo, in which he says that he says until him, Mizmo Lassa Felukim, Bau Goim Nachalascha, Timu Esachal Kachecho, Samu Esu Shalem Leim, a Mizmo song to Asaf. The Goim came into your property and they have impurified it. They destroyed Yerushalayim. They made Yerushalayim into mounds. So the Midrash is asking, Mizmoir, Kino, why is it a song? It should have been a Kino. It should have been a lamentation. Why is it that we're singing? So the Midrash explains. When the Bnei Yisrael saw that the Goyim came in and they started to destroy everybody, and to kill everyone, they thought that it is the end of Klal Yisrael. Bnei Yisrael will be, chas v'sholem, annihilated. When they saw that Hashem has instead diverted his anger, on wood and rocks, some chusim they rejoiced greatly, Amru mizmoir, and they sang a song, a song of praise, knowing that now they will be chayim v'kayomim le'oilam, they will exist forever. So the Arizal is saying that in fact, the nechama, the comforting that came to the Bnei Israel was the very burning of the Samikdash. At that moment on Tisha B'Av in the afternoon, the Bnei Israel realize that even though Hashem is angry to the point, is angry at them, to the point of destroying the Besamikdash and sending them in Galus, but He still loves them to the point of preserving them and putting His anger on a structure rather than on His people. In other words, what Arizal is saying is Dafke at the burning of the Besamikdash, that inherent love that Hashem has to the Bnei Yisrael, even when we are when we are in the lowest of Matzav, He will burn His house in order for His nation to remain. So Arizal says this is why we say Nachem at that moment. The moment of Srefas Beselokenu remind, remind us how much Hashem loves us. And as it's also written in the Midrash that this is the very moment in which Mashiach was born. Mashiach being born Dafke at the time of the lowest point. When we know that, this is the Nechama. 
Now, Lasid Lavoy. This will be revealed. Right now, though, as we mentioned before, all those Giluim were in the Hechel. And Al Pishchonoch, there are Dinim, there are laws with limitations on all the Nino of Simcha when it comes to um, Tisha B'Av, the nine days, and so on. Because we are only, only looking at the situation the way it is, Bechitzenius. And yeah, Al Pidin, we have those limitations. However, it is Dafke through our Avoida that we will be able to accomplish that this inherent love, this Ava Atzmis that the Ebishter revealed to us, should come be Gilui. How do you bring about this Gilui, this love to come be Gilui? Like every Gilui, the Rebbe says, Giluim, Oirois, they need Kelim. And in this case, they need Kelim Merubim. Because we are talking about great Oirois that are about to come. Kelim Merubim is a Hoisofa in Torah Mitzvahs. Because Torah Mitzvahs, Bichlal, those are the, the receptacles. Those are the means, the channels through which we receive all our Ashpoes. And if we need Kelim Merubim greater vessels to receive this Giluim, it means that I suffer in Torah Mitzvahs. Because the Giluim L'Asid Lavoy are dependent on our Avoideh Dafke when we are in Golos. So once again, we'll be then be able to say, Oit Hashem Ki Anaftabi. We'll be then only be able to recognize that it is the Avoideh that we did while we're in Golos, because of this, that we're able to get to the, this great Giluim that will come. To the point in which, those days, these days in Tisha B'av, will become a Yom Tev, Even though all the other Yamim Tovim will be cancelled. And the reason why the, the other Yamim Tovim will be cancelled is because Yamim Tovim are representing a certain type of a gilui, a time in which there is more godly revelation. But the gilui locus that will come as a result of Tisha B'av will be so great that all those giluim that we are celebrating now in the Yamim Tevim will be a small change. And it will be like a candle in front, in front of a huge torch. And that huge torch that great Gilui will be that great Yom Tev that we will have, which is Tisha B'Av. So then, <clears throat> what do we learn from all this? How is it a comfort? Well, it is a comfort for us to realize that we have to be that Talmud, that students whose teacher left us for a moment in order to uh, think and prepare something much deeper to tell us. So we have to realize and to understand the reason of this concealment of our teacher, number one, is only for a moment. And number two, that it is only Bechitzonius that he is actually leaving us. But Bechitzonius, he is just about to give us a much greater Gilui. And 
Finally, instead of despairing because of this Elinvestor, it is a time to strengthen our connection to this teacher and the thirst that and the anticipation of those giluim that we're expecting to get because of this concealment. Realize how much Debishta loves us and acknowledge and understand that all of this galus will actually bring about much greater giluim. Of course, it is up to us to do everything that we can to make sure that this happens immediately. May we all celebrate the Yom Tev of Tisha B'Av in the Beis Amikdash Ashlishi this year.